This morning's going to be more of a transition sermon as we, we travel from 2020 into 2021, much more of a really an outflow of what God's done in my heart the last couple months. Um, there are certain passages that God guides you to regularly. I'm going to tell you, this is one of those that God has guided, to, guided me to regularly the last couple months. Every week, going to this passage and thinking about it, praying about it, thinking more about it uh, as it develops in my mind. And this morning I thought, you know what, we're going to talk through this. Obviously we're not going to dig too deeply the next couple uh, next 45 minutes or so, but we're going we're gonna to jump in here. I'm going to give you some, some homework stuff you can take home this week and, and really work through the passage some more. Well, time to be completely honest. How many of you did some sort of a happy dance January 1st? <laughs> All right. I know you did. I mean, you think about 2021, you enter into 2000, or 2020, you're entering into 2021, and a little bit of, if you didn't happy dance, at least you sent a gif to somebody. You know, one of those happy dance little videos. Because, I know, because several of you sent them to me. Um, and I did them right along with you, as best I can. This is one of the most em- embarrassing factors in our entire family when I do my happy dance. My kids will attest to that. But at any rate, I was thinking maybe some of you this week looked something like this. I, I enjoyed this one. 2021, or maybe an older fella. I mean, he couldn't contain himself. I'm going to go back to that one. See if this guy will go. I mean, that, this is my dance. This is my jig. He borrowed it. Or maybe you didn't dance to this new year. Your happy dance didn't come alive, but you did. You've seen this one with this kid. Some of you have sent this to me. I, I, maybe it was just silent roar. 2021. Thank you, Jesus. Ah, uh, well, now that 2020 is in the rearview mirror, what'd you think? I mean, honestly, we've been praying about this the last couple minutes. When we think of 2021, as it goes down in the history books, this is one of those crazy years in world history. Seriously. Uh, nothing to take lightly, but, but automatically we would try to start thinking about the struggles. I'm going to tell you, some in this body have gone through some crazy struggles this last year. We've prayed through many of these. Um, relational struggles. Financial struggles. Um, goes without talking about health struggles <laughs> through the, the whole con, uh, COVID deal. I mean, some have lost family members. Even praying today, talking with some in this congregation who have lost family members the last couple of weeks, and your heart's grieving. I mean, think back to 2020, automatically we think about these, these struggles, maybe these disappointments, certainly the uncertainties of 2020. Wondering what's coming around the corner. Do you know what God was doing in my heart this week? Andrew, what, what about the many ways I blessed you in 2020? What about my sustaining grace for you, your family? What about my sustaining grace for the body of Christ, Cross Point Community Church? What about the global mission, Jesus Christ being sent to the nations and, and people being saved? Coming to the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, last week I had the opportunity, my, my dad is a pastor of a church in Denver, Colorado. and there, What a phenomenal way to close out 2020. He asked me if I'd like to speak and I I spoke and shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. There was a young man 
um, senior in high school, Stanley Lake High School in Denver, Colorado area, Westminster. His parents moved out, gave him a tent and a, and a pocket knife, left the state. I think his mom did, his dad disowned him. My sister and her five, sister, husband, and five boys, they said, no, you're, join our family. So they've embraced him the last two months and showed him the ways of Jesus. This guy knew nothing about Jesus. Sunday morning, the pieces of the puzzle came together for him. The blindfold came off his eyes, and as I was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ at the end, we uh, invited those who wanted to receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior to, to, to respond. That kid jumped out of his seat and almost ran to the front, calling on Jesus to save his soul. I mean, there's so many blessings from this last year that we've got to hold on to. Um, I, 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 spiritual growth, the providence of an almighty God. This week as I spent time, quite a bit of time pondering it, I just thought, even through all those blessings, how much I had to battle in my own thinking to remind me, myself of these blessings. Think about this. An all-out battle in our minds. The, day, the days you get up and you have to remind yourself of how good God is, how gracious God is. You turn on the conventional news for five minutes, as I share often, and that's about all I can stomach, right? You turn that on and you're, you're tempted just to be negative at the whole world. If you don't throw a shoe through the TV first, right? You're just angry at times when you, when you see what's happening around us, but then it's a battle to talk God's grace to ourselves, to find an anchor, stability, battling for stability in my own mind. I'm a visionary who loves thinking and praying about the next steps, especially of ministry, Cross Point Community Church. I love thinking with the elders and praying, hey, what's God have next for us? How's he going to grow us and what studies are we going to do? I'm going to tell you, this was a frustrating year as far as living out a vision for a church. But you know, in all of that, God was so gracious. You, you know what he did is he made me love this time so much more on Sunday mornings. Gathering together with body, the body of Christ, brothers and sisters. But it was a battle. It was a mental battle to find that grace in the trial. Battle to recognize the blessings of God through the storms of life. Flat out, I felt like a boat in rough waters. Not just trying to keep the right heading, but trying to stay afloat. I found myself searching for this, an anchor. Did you feel like that at all this year? You're all over the waters, and you're searching for your anchor. Well, this morning I want to study one of the most amazing passages in all of Scripture when it comes to anchoring your souls. Let's go to Hebrews 6 with this question in mind. What is going to anchor my soul in 2021? Your soul. What is going to ground your soul in 2021? Well, the author of the book of Hebrews, we don't really know other than we know it's the Holy Spirit of God. The human author we're not really certain of. If it wasn't Paul, it was a close associate of Paul. Uh, most likely. 
But in Hebrews chapter 6, would you just go with me? This is in your handout. It's on the back as well. We're going to look at, just kind of highlight a couple of these passages in Hebrews. But I want us to go to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, and look at this verse. Then we'll kind of develop it over the next 35 minutes now. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. Just look with me at the first phrase again. We have a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. So what comes to mind when you think of anchor? I I don't spend a lot of time uh, in boats, but I know some of you do. Some of you go to the coast, you spend your time fishing. I know Sean and others go out there quite frequently. Others out on the lakes here, which I love lakes here. But almost any boat you go on to, you'll have some sort of this device. When you think of anchor, this is what you look for, you think about. Obviously, it's a nautical term that we are almost, every one of us is familiar with the concept of anchor, which is not different from the life in the first century. When you think about Paul, think about his associates, think about how you traveled. Anchor was a big deal. You think about when you're on the water, you're in a very unstable situation. When the storm comes in, what are you going to do? You're going to look for stability. Something to not just, I mean, not just trying to find the right heading, but when the storm comes, it keeps you from utter destruction. So that's what we're looking at when we think about anchor. First century, some you know, archaeologists find this. This would be like what you would find in the first century. Paul, or the, the author of, of Hebrews, would have referred to something like this as an anchor. The anchor of your souls. And people would know exactly, I think, what he was talking about. This anchor that would grip. I want us to look at this key idea today. Because when you talk of anchor to the soul, you're talking about figuratively. Something literally was something you put on a ship and you throw over and it would grip and hold your place. That's the exact same figuratively. In the storms of life, what is holding us? What is grounding us? Well, that's what this passage is all about. That's what this key idea from this passage. Through Jesus, we have a superior anchor of our soul. But then I want to attach these two words to it because it's consistent with the text. Or this one word. Hope. All right, let's just talk of this. When we talk of an anchor to our soul, normally we think of Jesus as being the anchor to our soul, right? Jesus is the anchor to our soul. Cling to Jesus. He's the anchor of our soul. Well, to be consistent, tr- true and consistent with the text, that's, that's not really what the author's saying here. What is the anchor of our soul? Hope. Hope is the anchor of our soul. But here's where it ties to Jesus Christ. Who's the only one that can provide that hope? Jesus. So this morning we're going to just kind of develop this. Through Jesus in 2021, we have a superior anchor to our souls. So what is this superior anchor? Let's focus on this word, hope. We've talked of this often. often. Hope. Discussing this with my kids last night before we went to bed. It's a family. What is hope? Well, when you think of hope in today, 21st century, it actually is quite a bit different than the biblical usage of hope. Right? When we think of hope today, we're thinking more or less of wishful thinking. 
right? I really hope, fill in the blank, thinking about this last night, I'm talking about my kids. I really hope I don't get COVID, some might say, even though you most likely will. (laughs) Wishful thinking, right? I really hope we can get back to an on-site school this semester, some of the kids are saying. Some of the kids are saying. (laughs) Wishful thinking, right? Here's another wishful thinking. I really hope that vaccine works on COVID. And people don't start growing third ears and six fingers. <laughs> Anything else you want to say about that? I really hope this works. I really hope that our country can survive these troubling times. How many of you have said that in the last couple weeks, last couple months? Wishful thinking. I really hope that this guy stops talking so much and gets into the passage soon. Definitely wishful thinking. <laughs> All right. What's the difference, though, between wishful thinking and the Scripture, what the Scripture says of hope? When you go to the Scriptures, you find the word, the word hope. It's not wishful thinking. I really hope this happens. It's talking about a confident expectation. It will happen. This is based on the promises of Almighty God as found in that book that's on your lap right now, the Holy Scriptures. That's the hope talked about in the Scriptures. You see how Peter developed this in the book of First and Second Peter. This hope, it's based on God's almighty grace. It will happen because God said it will happen. Amen. Confident expectation is the true assurances of promises that we directly find in God's word. So when the anchor of our soul is hope, it's not a hope that is continuing to be wishy-washy based on what someone says or the science. It's based on the Word of God. Okay, when we talk about hope, we're talking about things like this. We have true hope, a confident expectation that God will sustain His people to the end. That's what God's Word says. Where does God's Word say that? Well, maybe you can think of Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. We studied this last year. Being confident of this very thing that He who began a good work in you, He's going to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. All right, that's the hope of the Scriptures. It's a confident expectation. The hope of the Scriptures, the true hope, is that God's Spirit, who indwells every single true believer, will never stop dwelling in and working in the life of a true believer. Grasp that one. Where do we find that? John chapter 14, Jesus, before he went to the cross, gave us some amazing hope. What does he say in chapter 14, verses 16 and 17? I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you. Think of the verse. How long? Forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, the spirit, because he dwells with you and will be in you. Brothers and sisters, when we're talking about hope, we're talking about that confident expectation. And when you come to Jesus Christ by grace through faith, the Spirit of God indwells your heart and He will not leak out the bottom of your shoe. He will not leave you. The Spirit, even though in in our life through sin and choices we make of rebellion, you cannot turn off the Spirit like like a light. You might be able to dim that strong sense of the Spirit and the Word in your life some, but you're never going to completely shut off the Holy Spirit in your life. The Spirit's going to be just like you find in Scripture. You find He's compelling you. Come back, come back, come back, come back. 
That's the spirit that's in your life, brothers and sisters. That's the hope, the confident expectation we have. This is what we anchor our lives in, our souls. This true hope, confident expectation, I've found myself thinking of this often, that Jesus would come back and set all this nonsense straight. Maranatha. I know he will. John 14, same chapter. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Brothers and sisters, that's the Word of God. So when we think of a, of a hope in the Scriptures, it's not this wishful thinking that, man, if all the things come together just right, then, then we'll, we'll, this will work out. No, this is what we stake our entire claim on. We pound that stake deep. It's the hope that what God says in the Word will happen. That is the anchor of our souls. That is the hope. Well, as we look at this passage, I want to kind of dial in on this word, superior. So, we have a superior anchor for our souls, and that is hope. Why, why do we say that? Because everyone around us, even unbelievers, are trying to find something to stake their life in. Something that their anchor will grab into. But as the Scripture clearly tells us, we have a superior anchor. Okay, so what book of the Bible are we in right now? Just seeing if you're all awake. What book of the Bible are we in? Hebrews. All right. Some of you have greatly enjoyed and gleaned from the book of Hebrews. But when you think about the book of Hebrews, Hebrews is a book that is consumed with proving that Jesus is better. Jesus is superior. Anything you want to line up against Jesus will fail. Jesus is better. Particularly, I mean, as is consistent with the title, Hebrews, so originally written to first century Jews struggling through pure persecution. Some who the author was writing to had become true believers, but were struggling through doubts. Is this Jesus really worth it? Some others were still debating whether Jesus was worth it enough to place my faith in this Jesus. So there's a bit of a mixed audience going on here that the author's writing to. Hebrews is one of those books that you read through that is so beautiful theologically. It is rich. You start off the book of Hebrews, and what do you find right away? Jesus is God. Don't miss that one. Jesus is not just a man that came to do cool things. Jesus is God in the flesh, incarnate. That's how we start off the book of Hebrews. And then systematically, we go through the book of Hebrews, and anything that these, uh, these Jews that, that read the Torah, that worshipped Yahweh, would have put up on a shelf and said, hey, let's put these things here. They're pretty cool. Systematically, the author of Hebrews to the Holy Spirit says, well, you know what? Jesus is better than angels. Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than any high priest. Jesus is better than any sacrifice that you could ever think of. All of the Old Testament sacrifices, Jesus is better. Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better, has a better name. Jesus has a better sacrifice. Jesus provides a, a better covenant. It's called the New Covenant. That's the book of Hebrews. So when we think about 
this superior hope. It's overwhelming. Grounded in Jesus Christ. That Jesus is better. Jesus is greater. Jesus is superior. Now this theme works seamlessly into the chapter you're at right now. Chapter 6. Also chapter 7 goes right along with this, proving that Jesus presents a better hope. But I want us to think about this. This hope that God will keep his word, that God will sustain his people, that God will one day fix all of this, this fact that true hope cannot be found in anyone or anything else but Jesus, this hope is the anchor of our souls. But in Hebrews 6, there's some beautiful things that the author writes about to kind of develop this thought of anchor. Because in our mind, in my mind, it's sufficient to say, yes, I have an anchor to my soul. But then every once in a while, I start to doubt that and to think about that. Well, I think there's an argument that's surrounding verse 19 that we need to look at some of these things this morning. I want us to look at this. Jesus provides an anchor, and here's a detail about this anchor that we need to think about as we enter into 2021. This is an anchor, this hope, that is grounded in God's unwavering purpose. Another way of saying that is grounded in His unwavering plan. This hope is grounded in the fact that God keeps His word, and His word is always consistent with His eternal plan. Where do we see that? Well, would you look with me at verse 13 through 18? I'll just read through these. Sometimes you got to read through these two or three times because <laughs> trying to get the details. I'm going to read through it. Your homework this week is to dig a little deeper. But verse 13 says this, For when God made a promise to Abraham, so we're getting a snapshot history lesson in how God kept his word to Abraham and fulfilled his sovereign plan. So here's the snapshot. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself saying, surely I will bless you and multiply you. Okay, so this is in our scriptures what we know as the Abrahamic covenant. In our minds, we think that God came to Abraham, said all these things, done deal. But when you go through the history of Abraham's life, there were large segments of time between when God showed up to him. And Abraham had to obey God and trust God's word that what he said would happen. Much different than you and I right now. We can look at God's word all day if we want. Verse 14, Jesus, our God Almighty said to Abraham, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, he was an old dude by the time he had a legitimate son, he obtained the promise. Verse 16, For people swear by something greater than themselves, and on all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So, when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of His purpose. Catch that phrase. The word purpose is another word for plan. His plan. Some of your translations will say His counsel. His own counsel. So the unwavering character, unwavering character of His purpose, He guaranteed it with an oath. Verse 18 so that two unchangeable things, in this context, it's his oath and his promise, in which it is impossible for God to what? Lie. <coughs> Lie. 
we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. I'm going to tell you, the whole purpose of the sermon today is written in that last phrase. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. What is this? Again, this is a snapshot into history of how God keeps His Word. Continuing to today, this thought, through Christ, God is working His eternal plan and will fully accomplish every detail of His eternal plan. And here's the kicker. Even through the storms of your life, okay, even through 2020, God is sovereignly working His almighty plan in our lives. At not one single point of 2020 has God ever lost control or ever deviated from His eternal plan. Please understand that. This is the God we serve. This is the God we worship every single Sunday morning, but beyond that, this is the God we worship every day of our lives. The anchor of our soul is grounded in something. What is this? As ugly as it might get, God still has a plan. And God is still keeping His plan. I want us to look at another detail. I'm going to tell you. I mean, like I said, we're scratching the surface to this. Uh, If we had about five more hours, we could jump into it a little deeper. But I want us to go to this next detail. Here it is. Jesus provides an anchor that is secured in God's enduring presence. So, this anchor, the, the argument of the, of the writer here of Hebrews is saying this is a beautiful anchor. Here's how it's so beautiful. It is grounded in God's eternal plan. He's got a plan and he will keep his word. Here's another beautiful part about this anchor. It is secured in God's enduring presence. Well, how does he say that? Verse 19. We have a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. How is this defined? Sure and steadfast anchor. This isn't an anchor that's just floating there, waiting to grab. This is grabbed. You've got a hold of something. The sure and steadfast anchor of our soul. A hope that, in, and then listen to this description. It's a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. What? <laughs> that's a song we just sang. Uh, on Christ the solid rock I stand. The anchor holds within the veil. That's this verse. What is it talking about? This is the holy of holies in the Old Testament tabernacle. We need to grasp this. This anchor is anchored in the holy of holies, the very presence of God. Verse 20. Where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Oh man, there's so much to talk about through this. Basically, God, Jesus Christ has a better priestly order. He comes from a better priestly order of the Aaronic, Aaronic priesthood, priesthood of Aaron, tied into Melchizedek. The whole argument of earlier in the book, we find this. But this, think about this, though, in a very general sense. <laughs> this is where the book of Hebrews gets really exciting. <laughs> I love this. Why? If you were a Jew in the first century, and you think back to your ancestors for a millennia and a half. 
Jews had anchored Israel. Let's just say Israel. Israel had anchored their hope in the ministry of whom? The high priest. They depended on the high priest. This high priest who followed the prescribed services of worship for Yahweh. The high priest who applied temple tabernacle sacrifices and made them mean something to you. The high priest who went behind the veil. If you remember your Old Testament history. This high priest would go behind the veil. Entered into the holies of holies. Once a year to sprinkle blood on the sa- of the sacrifice on the mercy seat. For the atonement of the sins of the nation of Israel. So where did you find your anchor? If you're a part of Israel. A Jew. Into the ministry of the, whole, uh, uh, of the high priest. Who would atone. Who would see the sacrifices and the atonement of, of sins. Simply this, the Holy of Holies represented the presence of God who tabernacled with man. The fact is this, without the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the Holy of Holies, hope for God's presence did not exist for God's people. Think about what that means for this text. Without the ministry of the high priest and the Holy of Holies, hope for God's presence did not really exist in worship. Brothers and sisters in Christ, praise God that through the ministry of the great high priest, we're talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ on the cross who shed His perfect blood, sufficient for our sins. The veil into the Holy of Holies has been torn from where? From top to bottom. This is God's doing. Every true believer has now direct, personal, intimate access to the presence of Almighty God. Brothers and sisters, let's grasp this. We don't need to go through the high priest to get to the presence of God. Jesus has torn the veil in two. Jesus is the better high priest offered a better sacrifice himself and provides a better hope in the secure and enduring presence of God with his people. So, here, now, 2021, what does this mean for you? What does that mean for those seeking an anchor for your soul? Well, simply this. Through Christ, we have enduring access into the very presence of God Every single moment of every single day. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through Jesus, we're going to see this in a minute, you can come boldly before God's throne of grace. So how should this anchor, this thought, like I said this morning, it's more of a devotional type sermon. How is this anchor thought going to transform your life this year? I want to stay in the text because I think, I know through the Holy Spirit, the author of Hebrews so appropriately applies this. It's great. All right? I enjoy talking with some of you about this. Mike and I talk about the lettuce passages in Hebrews. All right? The lettuce patches. The application passages in Hebrews. So we're going through all this rich theology, but we don't neglect application in the book of Hebrews. And usually you'll find this with two words. Translated two words. Let us. Let us do this. That's the application. And as you go through these let us passages, you're going to find that they're tied to the concept of a better high priest. The presence of God. 
So, how are we going to see this anchor transform our lives in 2021? Great question. Let's first go to Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 and 16. 14 through 16. It's on the back of your handout if you'd like that. Otherwise, you can turn there in your Bible or your device. How is this thought of this anchor going to transform what we do today and tomorrow and the next day? I'm going to read verse 14 through 16 of Hebrews 4. Since then we have a great high priest. We just read about that. Who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God. Circle this first let us. Let us hold fast our confession. Verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Verse 16, here's another let us. Let us, circle that one. Let us then with confidence draw to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I want us to jump to Hebrews 10. I'm just going to read these passages and then we'll make brief comment. Another application passage that's tied to the presence of God, the great high priest, and the ministry of the great high priest. Hebrews 10, 19-25 has amazing similarities through the Spirit to Hebrews 4. Let's read Hebrews 10. I'm going to start in verse 19. Again, as we go through this circle of the lettuce passages. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. This is an amazing theme. You have confidence now to enter into the presence by the blood of Jesus. Verse 20. By the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh, the curtain that He tore from top to bottom. Verse 21. And since we have a great high priest, or a great priest over the house of God, verse 22 Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23. Let us, there's another one circle, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Verse 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Verse 25, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So what do we do? What do we do with this anchor? How do we practically respond? How does the scripture have shoes on in this passage? Well, it's very clear. As you kind of compare these two passages, there's three basic themes. First of all, I'm just going to mention these. Let us hold fast our confession. Hold fast in chapter 4 is is cling to it. In chapter 10, the word for hold fast is hold firmly, hold on to it. Both of them very similar. Hold fast our confession. Hold fast... Our belief in a sovereign God who has given us a gracious gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. 
a gospel that transforms every area of our lives. Hold this with all you've got. Brothers and sisters, in 2021, let us cling tightly to the sufficiency of the gospel of Jesus Christ, remembering that our sufficiency, our confession, is not the CDC. Our confession is not who? Our confession is not in the science, the lockdown, the masks, the PPE, the stimulus package. Our confession is not in any of that. Our confession is not even the Supreme Court. Our confession is not even in the Trump administration. Our confession is not in, well, you know where I'm going with this one. Uh, mentally fatigued president-elect and his, well, vice president-elect. In 2021, brothers and sisters in Jesus, let us cling tightly to the sufficiency of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Our confession. Don't let it go. I want to dial this in almost every Sunday to the the young ones in this room and the teens in this room, the young adults. Hold it with all you got. This confession of Jesus Christ, don't let it out of your grasp. Everything about the world around us is saying don't believe that. It's nonsense. It's not sustainable. Everything about the Scripture is saying hold on to it with all you got. Hold the confession of your faith. I think the other part of this led us that we summarized. The first one is let us hold fast our confession. Look with me at verse 16 of chapter 4. Let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. (laughs) Wow. I mean, similar to verse 22 of chapter 10. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. In other words, if God Almighty through His Spirit has cleaned your heart, draw near to the throne of grace. Every single day. Every moment of every day, come boldly before His throne of grace that you may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So how do we respond to this anchor thing? It's not just something we throw up here in our brains and it's a cerebral promise that we're like, yes, we we know that. No, it's something that we translate into application every day. And how do we translate that? We come to His throne of grace. A challenge for our body here in 2021 is go to your knees. Brothers and sisters in Christ, pray. Approach God's throne of grace on behalf of others in this room, on behalf of your own needs in your own life. Come before His throne of grace boldly because of Jesus. One other application. This is so good. This applies even through COVID. As creative as you might have to be to see this happen, brothers and sisters in Christ, this is still in the Word of God. It's still in there. At no point during 2020 was this erased. Obviously, through technology, we get creative with some of these things, but here's what God's Word says. Verse 24, And let us consider how to stir up. (laughs) That's the word for provoke or stimulate or kindle or entice. Let us entice one another to what? To love and good works. Verse 25 is still in the Bible. Not neglecting to meet together, as the habit of some is, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day of drawing near. 
brothers and sisters, in 2021, as we look at this next year ahead of us, let us not neglect this. Let us not neglect this. The church. Obviously, there's going to have to be some flex through this, and I think the Scriptures, by God's grace, is very flexible on this. It's not saying every time the doors in the church are open, you need to be there. But what it is saying is don't turn your back on gathering together. Don't turn your back on the body of Christ. When I think about the craziness of this last year, finding creative ways to stay connected to Jesus' people. Not go, I mean, I know there's some that haven't been able to come for months and months, like eight to nine months to the congregation. I don't know, I don't know what I would do without the body of Christ. Find some way to stay connected to the body of Christ. Not neglecting gathering together. God's Word through the Spirit of through God's Spirit tells us not to neglect this. Encouraging one another. Kindling one another. Stoking each other up to love and good works. When we come together, when we gather together, what are we doing? Hey, by God's grace, this week you can love when the world around you is not lovely. Proved that yesterday on the highway. <laughs> Some guy was pointing to Jesus with not... Anyways. We live in a world that's not super friendly and loving. People might do that temporarily. But what are we to do? Brothers and sisters in Christ, we're to provoke each other to love. Love each other. Love the people in the world that God has placed us to minister to. Love the community around us. Provoke each other to love and good works. That's what we do. We encourage each other. Practically, how does this happen? By not neglecting to meet together. As is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. I don't think I've ever in my life tried to put a date on when Jesus would come back because that's just simply foolish, unbiblical. But I'll tell you, as you look at the Scriptures, you see history unfold. Oh my, I can't help but think that day's coming near. The day when we're going to see Jesus. We'll spend the rest of eternity with an almighty God in the presence of Jesus. And what do we do? We encourage each other every day of our lives as that day comes near. So what? Obviously, there's so much that we could say about this passage. We touch the surface, and you're going home this week with some homework. Dig deeper. So what? We'll start with this. Through the anticipated storms of life. Why do we say anticipated storms of life? Well, because you can be assured that they will come in 2021. <laughs> okay. Um, there will be theological storms in 2021 because we live in a broken world. Satan is not disengaged. Satan hates true theology, hates the presentation of the Word. That storm will come. How are you going to respond? What about the social storms or the political storms? Wow. Every week, new developments. This inaugural month, who knows what's going to happen next week? The financial storms, the relational storms that might come in your life, not just might, they will come in your life this year. Relational family struggles, neighbor struggles, church body struggles, fill in the blank. They will come. Might come with the person sitting next to you right now. But when those come, those storms come, how will you respond? Will you anchor your soul 
and a hope that is found only in Jesus. Directly from the passage, will you draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed pure with the word? There may be some here today that you're thinking, boy, some of that makes sense, Pastor, but not all of it. I'm going to tell you, maybe, I know this, it's no accident that you're here today. Would you come to Jesus in saving faith today? Respond to this gracious offer of the gospel today. So many in this room have responded in faith to this gracious gospel. Will you continue to grow in sanctification this year? Every day growing. Drawing near with a heart full of faith and assurance that this God is worth it. This Jesus is worth it. Will you hold fast the confession of your hope without wavering? Why? For he who promised is faithful. He will hold you to the end. Through the anticipated storms of life, one of the questions we can go home with today, think about this. Will you stir each other up to love and good works in 2021? What's your plan? What's your plan to help those sitting around you grow in Jesus? What's your plan, by God's grace, to those in your family to encourage them to grow in Christ this year. Consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some is, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Brothers and sisters in Christ, as we close out 2020, as we jump into, launch into 2020, let's remember this, that through Jesus we have a superior anchor for our souls. And that anchor is hope in Jesus. So God, I pray that you'd please remind us of this all year long. Through your spirit, you have not allowed me to get this passage out of my mind. And in this brief time we had together today, Father, to kind of do an overview of this passage, the application found in the book of, of Hebrews, Lord, I pray that these thoughts would regularly be in our minds this year. That through the storms of life, we would ground our anchor in your eternal plan and your unwavering presence. Every single one of us. Brothers and sisters in Christ this morning, I'm not going to belabor, belabor this. I just want to simply close out in prayer and just ask you this. Where is your hope? Where's your anchor, I should say? Anchor is hope. Where's your anchor? What is it grounded in? As we enter into 2021, what will you ground your anchor in? Certainly not yourself. <laughs> Certainly not the next creative guru or political leader. The next plan. But what about the eternal plan of an almighty God? Would you ground your anchor in that this year furthermore would you ground your anchor in the presence of God every day this year seeking his face 
being in his word, loving to pray, finding yourself awesome and often in conversation with a God who's wanting to listen to you, coming boldly before his throne of grace. You may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Would you anchor your soul in the hope found only in Jesus? There may be some here today that are really struggling through some of this. We're going to sing a song in just a minute called Living Hope. (laughs) Through that song, or even when we come to the end of that song, there's going to be some of our chaplains here, just prayer warriors, people that want to pray with you. They'll be standing at the front. If you'd like to pray with somebody, this would be your time. Come, someone who's willing to pray with you. Pray God's grace for your life. Maybe you don't feel comfortable coming during the song. Well, come afterwards. They'll be lingering here at the front. Oh, God, we thank you for the time we could spend this morning in your word. And I pray, God, that we would be so consumed this next year with an anchor that's grounded in your eternal plan and in your unwavering presence. Thank you for the passage we could interact with this morning. Please continue to bring it to our minds, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.